0: Got to turn everything on in advance this morning. It is certainly a joy and a blessing to see each one of you here this morning. Thank you for assembling together with God's people to offer our worship and our praise unto Him. Uh, that song that uh, Michael just led us in, I ran across a couple of years ago, I guess it was, and uh, it was not in the, the psalm books, and, uh, which we were singing in Kentucky. Uh, But in my estimation, a very beautiful song, and in that song, one phrase that kind of relates to uh, Brother Brent's lesson to us on the nine o'clock hour this morning, that there when we are gathered together as God's people, when we are home eternally with him, that we can just pour ourselves out. We can empty all of our praise. We struggle to do that, I think, at least I do as we live here in this world, in these fleshly bodies. But there's going to come a time when we can just let it all go, if you will. And we can praise our God for who he is and for what he has done for us and for the promises that he has kept. The idea of honor, I believe, is one of those, quote, traditional Concepts that appears to be failing in popularity and fading in popularity with our current American culture. And yet that idea of honor is very much a biblical concept. It is a concept that finds itself in the entirety of Scripture. In the Word, God instructs us to honor Him, obviously, because He is the Creator and we are the created. But also in the Word, God instructs us to honor all people. And we read in several passages that He specifically instructs us to honor government officials. And He instructs us to honor one another in the body of Christ as brethren. He instructs us, those of us who are married, to honor our spouses. And He instructs those of us who are children to honor our parents. It is this last relationship, the parent-child relationship, and honoring our parents that we want to consider today as we see what God says in His Word about honoring mothers, as many of us are thinking about our mothers this very day. As we think about the instruction that God has given to us in His Word to honor our mother, I would suggest to you, first of all, that it is a timeless Command. The divine decree to honor your mother occurs several times in Scripture. I don't know if we are aware of that or not, or if we think about that as much as we should or not. For the sake of time, though, we're only going to consider three of those texts. We're going to look at two in the Old Testament this morning and then one in the New Testament. If you have your Old Testament with you this morning, I would invite you to open there to the book of Exodus in Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20, notice the instruction, the command that God is giving to his people Israel here through Moses. At verse 12, of course, he says, Honor your father and your mother that your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord your God gives you. Moses reiterates this command from God when we come to the book of Deuteronomy as Moses really here in this book is preparing the people for the time when he is no longer going to lead them, that Joshua will be the one that would finally lead them into the land that God had promised to them. And so he's going through the law again, but he says it a little bit differently here in Deuteronomy chapter 5 and in verse 16. He says here, honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God has commanded you that your days may be prolonged and that it will go well with you on the land which the Lord your God gives you. And so we find here in these two passages that when God first spoke his law to Israel through Moses back in what we call the giving of the Ten Commandments and then all of the law that is attached to that in Exodus chapter 20, And as Moses here in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 5 is reminding them of what God originally said to them that's recorded back in Exodus chapter 20. We find here this command, this instruction from God himself to honor your mother is found. Notice that this was God's command. This is not Moses' command. This is not Moses' wisdom. This is not a good idea that Moses said, hey, I think it's a good thing for us to honor our father and our mother. And that's made very clear in both of those texts. Back in Exodus 20 at verse 1, the list there begins by saying, then God spoke all these words. And in Deuteronomy 5 and verse 16 that we just read, He says, as the Lord your God has commanded you, this is from God himself. God is our creator. God is the one who has established the marriage relationship. God is the one who has established the parent-child relationship. God governs those relationships. He gives us rules, instructions, if you will, that we must follow in those relationships. I want you to notice also that God's command wasn't given arbitrarily. It was given for Israel's good. That is to say that honoring their mothers, as we're thinking about especially this morning, honoring their mothers resulted in God blessing them. God blessing them with a long, prosperous, productive life in the promised land of Canaan. That's not to say, as we're going to look at here from the New Testament in just a moment, from the book of Ephesians that our brother Don read the passage just a little while ago. That's not to say that if we do a good job of honoring our father and our mother that we're going to live to be 100 years old and that we're going to be prosperous and that everything's going to go well with us as we live here on earth, we're never going to have any troubles or trials or heartaches or sicknesses or diseases or any of those kinds of things. But it is to say that God's favor will be upon us. God's blessing will be upon us. And God intended for this to be a blessing to his people. God can give us instructions and commands and rules and not tell us why. And sometimes he does that just because he is God. But when we find in the word of God that there is some reason behind this or this is going to produce something in our life, we really need to sit up and take notice of that. So let's go to that passage in the New Testament as we think about this idea of honoring our mothers as being a timeless command that it doesn't really matter where we live or when we live or what's going on in the world, that this word from God still stands. Ephesians chapter six, once again, beginning at verse one, Paul here writes, "'Children, obey your parents in the Lord, "'for this is right. "'Honor your father and mother, "'which is the first commandment with a promise, "'so that it may be well with you "'and that you may live long on the earth.'" Here again, obviously, the apostle Paul is repeating God's command. That was God's command, as in the two passages we just looked at, God's command to physical Israel. Now Paul is repeating this command not just to physical Israel, but more importantly to spiritual Israel, to all those who would be followers of God through His Son, Jesus Christ. And Paul puts this command in Ephesians chapter 6 in the part of the book of Ephesians that we might say is the more practical part of the book. It is the more application, the daily life part of this book. Paul is telling us here uh, that that, uh, it is a practical part of walking in a way that fits our walk as Christians. Paul began this whole idea of our walk back in chapter 4 and verse 1. And he encouraged those Christians and us today to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which we have been called. As we have been called out of the world by the gospel of Christ into a relationship, a fellowship with our God that there is a certain way for us to live every day that fits that particular calling. And this instruction here in Ephesians 6, 1 through 3 is a part of that. Paul also says to us here that this command is a or the first promise, first one with a promise. I don't know Greek, but in looking at an interlinear this past week, that there is no definite article before the word first. And so he is telling us here that it it could be a or it could be the first. And the word first is kind of interesting. We could think about it maybe first in time or the first uh, commandment that God has given with a promise. But then we can think of other commands that there are promises attached to. Maybe Paul and God even in, in giving this command specifically to Israel and the passages that we've just looked at from Exodus and Deuteronomy had in mind here the idea of primary, this is for children, the primary command, the primary instruction that you need to know, that you need to live in your life. This is the foremost command. Maybe somewhat similar to back in Matthew chapter 22, where the lawyer came to Jesus and said, what's the greatest command? What's the first command? What's the foremost command? All of those words are used depending upon what translation you're reading from there in that conversation between Christ and the lawyer in Matthew 22. To me, that seems to have the best sense here. But whatever it is exactly that Paul means by that particular terminology, I think we can know this for certain. We can know for certain that Paul is emphasizing its significance. Certainly every command that God gives us is significant because it's from his mind. It is from his mouth. It is written in his word. But especially to children to sit up and take notice of these words that Paul it's borrowing from the law of Moses that this remains a command and instruction for children today to obey, to honor our parents, our mothers. The fact that this command appears in both Testaments, again, at least in my mind, underscores the, the point that this is just a very, very important instruction to God. And so if we're going to be truly children of God, it must be important to us as well. We need to realize that if we do have mothers who are alive, we may no longer be living uh, under their care. We may not be living in our parents' homes. We may not be under their rules. And so in that sense, we don't have to obey them. But I believe this command, this instruction to honor our parents continues on as long as our parents are alive. And I would say to you as we go through the lesson this morning, I think you will see this. Even after our parents are no longer living here on earth, that we can still honor or dishonor them by the way that we live. And so a part of pleasing God as a child of God is to honor Him. A part of honoring Him is to honor our parents. And so when we honor our mothers, we are pleasing and honoring our God. That sets the foundation for what we want to say the rest of this morning in our lesson, to think about that practically, to think about that command, honor your mother. What what that looks like in our lives each day. The, the word honor, again, is not a word that we normally use in our everyday conversation. I think it has kind of fallen by the wayside. But it carries with the idea of doing several things. It carries with the idea of revering someone or something, the idea of prizing or highly valuing, highly esteeming someone. And so honoring our mothers means to revere, to respect her for who she is, for who God has created her to be, for the work and the role that God has given her as as our mother, and to treat her as precious, to treat her as valuable. It is both, I believe, an attitude that we have about our mothers, but it is also an action that we show toward our mothers. It is something that is internal inside of us, but it's also something that ought to come out of us as we live from day to day, as we interact with our mothers, but just as we talk about our mothers to other people. There are certainly a number of ways that we can honor our mothers, but I want us to focus this morning on five. Don't get too concerned. There's only one verse attached to each of these. Hopefully we can uh, move through them in, um, in good fashion this morning. To honor our mothers, as we just said about the word honor itself, I believe is to reverence our mothers. Go back in your Old Testament to the book of Leviticus for just a moment, a book that we oftentimes don't study very much from, but there are a lot of good things that are said to us just about God and the holiness of God and what we can learn about honoring Him and living in a way that honors Him. There are some specific instructions here in Leviticus chapter 19 verses 1 through 3, again, about honoring our parents Notice what is said beginning at verse one of this chapter. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to all the congregations of the sons of Israel and say to them, you shall be holy for I, the Lord, your God, am holy. Every one of you shall reverence his mother and his father and you shall keep my Sabbaths. I am the Lord, your God. One way for us to be holy as God is holy as as God himself, through Moses again, was instructing his people. And it is reiterated, of course, in the New Testament, isn't it, that we are to be holy as God is holy. But one way for us to be holy as God is holy, I believe God was telling his people and us, is to reverence our mothers. While this particular instruction or teaching, again, has a wide variety of applications in our lives, I want us to just apply this one principle, this one truth of reverencing our mothers, apply it to how we communicate with our mothers. How do we talk to our mothers? Wherever we are on the spectrum as, as, quote, children, whether we are young children living at home, Whether we are teenage children, whether we maybe are college-age children, we're sometimes at home and sometimes we're away at college. Whether we're adult children and maybe we even have children and even grandchildren of our own, but our mother is still alive, how do we talk to our mother? The, The tone of voice that we use. In speaking to our mother. The, the body language that we use, the words that we say to our mother, all of those things about our communication with her either shows that we respect her or we disrespect her. It either shows that we honor her or we are dishonoring her. I think about a good example of this in, in my own life with my mother-in-law. Uh, grandma, uh, Anna's grandmother, uh, lived into her uh, Mid 90s, I guess 93 or 94, when she passed away five years ago next month. And for the last, oh, probably six or eight years of her life, she had Alzheimer's and dementia. And uh, she and Grandpa moved in with my in laws well before they got to that point, and my in laws took care of them. But it was impressive to me a few years ago to see my mother in law talking to Grandma, her mother. And every time, even though grandma a lot of times didn't know what was going on, and she was the sweetest woman before she contracted that disease and and just had a a lot of days where she was kind of angry and just, she wasn't herself, obviously. But still, my mother-in-law said, yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am, and spoke very respectfully to this lady because she was her mother. That never ends, I don't think, in our life. But today, I think because we do not, as a society, honor God anymore, we just think, whether we're little children, teenagers, grown children, that we can just talk to anyone in any way that we want to, that we don't have to show honor, we don't have to show this idea, this concept of respect and reverence to our parents, but God, in His Word, tells us otherwise. And so we each need to ask ourselves the question, however old we are, however long it's been since we were in our parents' homes, if our mothers are still living here on earth, are we reverencing our mothers just in the way that we talk, communicate to them? Secondly, honoring our mothers looks like living her godly teaching within our lives. Go to the book of Proverbs for just a moment in Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs chapter 6, the wise man here gives us a lot of wisdom about life, but a lot of wisdom about our relationships, even our family relationships. In Proverbs chapter 6, let's read here beginning at verse 20. The writer says, My son, observe the commandment of your father and do not forsake the teaching of your mother. Bind them continually on your heart. Talk, uh, Tie them around your neck. When you walk about, they will guide you. When you sleep, they will watch over you. And when you awake, they will talk to you. I I, I realize that this text is making an assumption here. And the assumption is this, that the writer is making the assumption that a mother is teaching her children God's word, that a mother is teaching her children God's way, that she's not a woman of the world. She's not just passing on whatever wisdom maybe that she has accumulated in life, worldly wisdom, but she is trying to instruct her children in the way of God. She is using the word of God to guide them in the right way. She is teaching them by, both by her words, but also by her life, by her example. When, when I think about that particular assumption, I think about the very end of the collection of Proverbs in chapter 31. And the description is given to us there of the virtuous or worthy, praiseworthy woman. The hero is a woman who is teaching her children, not just as she speaks to them, as she opens her mouth in kindness to them, but just by the way that she goes about her everyday life, by the way that she carries herself as a God-fearing woman. And if that is true, if we take that assumption into account, then each child is to take her teaching, not so much because it's her teaching, but just because she is the one that is communicating it to them, especially when they're young, from God. But each child is to take her teaching to cling very closely to it and to live it out every day in their lives. That's what the wise man is instructing his son to do with his mother's teaching. As her child, we must take the teaching of our parents, and especially as we're thinking about this morning, our mothers, and we must bind their teaching to our hearts if it comes from the Lord himself. It must control everything about who we are. It must control our intellect, our will, our emotions. When we're having a bad day emotionally, that we can think about maybe some teaching that our mother has taught us. And it will guide us, it will lead us in God's way. We must tie, the wise man says here in this passage, we must tie the teaching of our mother around our necks. And maybe this is the idea of, so that we can show who we truly are on the on the inside to the world on the outside. We can show our spiritual beauty because of the way that our mothers have taught us and molded us and shaped us in the image of Christ. And the wise man goes on to say here at verse 22, kind of like the instruction that he gives to parents in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and Deuteronomy chapter 18, that we must be doing that at all times. We must be living the godly teaching that our mothers have passed on to us when we are awake, when we are asleep, when we're walking about, whatever it is, wherever we are in life. And so in short, we honor our mothers by ordering our life according to the divine instructions that she has taught to us. I realize there may be some, and not may, I'm sure that there are some in this audience this morning. As we're going through this sermon, you're thinking, yeah, but my mother wasn't that way. (laughs) My my mother wasn't a godly woman. She wasn't a a woman who feared the Lord. She, She wasn't concerned about spiritual things. She didn't teach me anything about the Word of God. And that may very well be true. But now you, as a child of God, as a follower of Jesus Christ, you, in a sense, I believe, can honor your mother by living according to God's teaching. In short, we honor our mothers by ordering our life according to the divine instructions that she has taught us. And so we need, each need to ask ourselves the question, wherever we are in life, am I living my mother's teaching in my life? Thirdly, and connected to that, and you may think it's the same point, but I wanna take it a little bit further here, that we honor our mothers by living a wise, righteous life. Uh, again, this can be the same thing as what we just talked about, but, uh, but I want to build on that foundation and to look at this particular point from the aspect of when we are older, maybe even when our mothers aren't around us physically, maybe they have passed on, that that we can take the foundation that she has hopefully laid in our life, that spiritual, biblical foundation, and we can add to it ourselves. We can add our own knowledge and our own wisdom to that. Staying here in the book of Proverbs, turning to chapter 23, notice something that the wise man uh, again writes to uh, the younger son, to the younger child, Proverbs 23 verse 22 beginning. He says, Listen to your father who begot you and do not despise your mother when she is old. Buy truth and do not sell it. Get wisdom and understanding. uh, Get wisdom and instruction and understanding. The father of the righteous will greatly rejoice and he who sires a wise son will be glad in him. Let your father and your mother be glad and let her rejoice who gave birth to you. Those who are children, especially if you don't have children of your own, it may be hard for you to, to realize the truth about, of what I'm about to say, but as you get older, I think you realize that this certainly is true. But I believe one thing that, that the wise man is telling us here from a parent's perspective is this, that one of the greatest sources of joy for a godly father or mother, one who is trying to, to walk according to God's way, but one of the greatest sources of joy for a godly mother is seeing her child, when, when that child is grown, when that child is no longer under her rules, no longer under her supervision. For a child to choose to consent to continue pursuing God's righteous wisdom on his own, and to continue to delve into God's Word, to really get deep into it, to make their faith in Jesus Christ their own, and to see her child make good and right and wise life choices that just bring so much joy to a mother's heart. I can think about my mom even just recently. I had a a birthday last uh, uh, Sunday and she sent me a a card and and, uh, wrote a little note in there uh, just to say how happy she was about Uh, how I'm living my life, and I'm not a perfect son at all. Uh, I'm glad that there wasn't uh, uh, Facebook and Twitter and uh, video evidence (laughs) when I was growing up. I'm glad I I can dispute what is being said maybe in my childhood, and I'm sure many of us could feel the same way. But she was just expressing the fact that it brought her so much joy that I've decided to do with my life what I have. And again, until you reach that point, if you are a young child, you probably can't understand that until you have children of your own. But we can make or break our parents' children by the choices that we make as to how we live our lives. And so each of us needs to ask ourselves very honestly, am I honoring my mother by living a wise and righteous life, even if she is dead and gone? And we think, well, she won't know anything about the choices that I have made. That's true. But are we really honoring her if she was a woman who tried to live according to the precepts and principles of God? Number four, honoring our mothers looks like providing for her needs when the occasion arises. The Apostle Paul wrote about this, I believe, when we come to the book of 1 Timothy in chapter five. 1 Timothy chapter five, beginning at verse one, he says here, "'Do not sharply rebuke an older man, "'but rather appeal to him as a father.'" To the younger men as brothers, the older women as mothers, and, and the younger women as sisters in all purity, honor widows who are widows indeed. But if any widow has children or grandchildren, they must first learn to practice piety in regard to their own family and to make some return to their parents, for this is acceptable in the sight of God. While all of us as saints, as brothers and sisters in the Lord, in the Lord's body, because we are a family of God, while all of us have the responsibility, the obligation to honor older women, as we do our own physical mothers, a child whose mother is widowed, as this particular text is talking to us about, Paul says we have a unique obligation to honor her by caring for her in every way that she needs our care. If it's caring for her physically, as seems to be maybe the the emphasis of this particular text financially, caring for her emotionally, caring for her relationally, certainly caring for her spiritually as those needs arise. Notice what is said as we continue on here in this text at verse 8, Paul says, but if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those who are of his own household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. We take that text many times from a physical financial standpoint. I think that is the context here. But for us to provide for our mother in any way, I believe certainly would be right and good for us to do. And then verse 16 again, Paul says this, If any woman who is a believer has widows, she must assist them. And the church must not be burdened so that it may assist those who are widows. Indeed, that we have the first responsibility as children to take care of our parents and as we're thinking this morning again, especially our moms. Providing this kind of help can include a number of things, especially as our mothers get older. And maybe it is the case for, I know some in this audience that your mother is still living, but your father has passed away. And so she very much does... I think, fit into uh, this thought of this text of being a, a widow who is in need of our care. It can be just very simple things like cleaning her house, maybe when she is not able to do that anymore. It may be cooking meals for her when she has cooked thousands upon thousands of bills for you during your lifetime. It may be driving her places where she cannot drive anymore. It may be helping her with her finances and paying her bills and making sure all of those things are taken care of. It may be, as I just mentioned about my in-laws, taking her into your own home, into your own family, and caring for her in your house. Or if you're not able to do that, if she is past the point where you can physically uh, do that, that you provide professional care for her. It is definitely regularly communicating with your mother. My mom reminded me of this recently. It had kind of been my practice over the years to try at least once a month to call her. And just to, even if we just chatted for five minutes, sometimes it was an hour. But I think here recently I'd gone like 10 or 14 days and she called me and says, where have you been? (laughs) What have you been doing? She missed that call. She missed that communication. It can be reading the Bible with her when maybe she is not able to read on her own. It can be praying with her. There, There are just a number of things that we can do. And in fact, I think many of you know this, but this is just one of the reasons why we decided to move here so that I could be a lot closer to my old mom and to take care of her when that particular time comes. The point is this, if our mothers have needs of any kind, we need to be children who are honoring her by doing the best that we can to supply those needs. And then fifthly and finally, honoring our mothers. Going back to the book of Proverbs, the very last chapter there looks like blessing her with verbal praise. I'm sure you recall what uh, the wise man says to us about her husband and her children and how they respond to this kind of woman that is trying to live like an excellent woman. At verse 28, beginning, the wise man writes here, her children rise up and bless her. Her husband also, and he praises her, saying, many daughters have done nobly, but you excel them all. An excellent, worthy, God-fearing mom is not looking so much for worldly fame or worldly fortune, even if that comes as a result of her hard work. Here is a very hard working woman, Here is a woman who's not just taking care of her own home. She is looking to the needs of those around her who are not as blessed as she and her family are. She is working outside the home to provide the needs, the things that the family needs. She is a hardworking woman, and it may be the case because she is such a diligent woman devoted to her work, devoted to those who are around her in need, that the world does praise her, that she receives some, some worldly accolation. But that's not her motivation. No, her heart is set on pleasing God and fulfilling her unique role of motherhood, which has been so degraded, I think, in our society, in our culture for a number of decades now. Again, even if she works outside the home, we see this woman doing that. But here is a woman in Proverbs 31 who has totally given herself to the work that God has given her to do that no one else can do, not even her husband in the same way, of teaching and training her children from a mother's perspective, of caring for her family and caring for others that are in need. Sometimes those of us who are husbands and children, if we're not mothers, we take our wives and our moms for granted. And when we come home from a long day's work or a long day at school, we just expect certain things to be there. This work often comes at a very high cost to herself. A high cost of time. And she could spend her time doing things to please herself or doing something else. It comes at a tremendous cost of energy. Energy. If you've ever been a parent, much less a mother, you know that it costs you energy. Sometimes it comes at the cost of sleep. When us dads are snoozing away, you know, the kids come into our room in the middle of the night and the first word out of their mouth is mom. It's not dad, at least it's not been in my experience, it's mom. They want their mother. And so, brothers and sisters, our mothers deserve our verbal praise quite often. And our thanks verbally for all that she does to enrich and to enhance our own lives. She deserves all of that quite often. And let me say something to those of us who are husbands and fathers. And I'm talking to myself more than anyone else, but the way that we talk to our wives and our children's mothers is going to go a long ways in how our children talk to their mother. If we are constantly running her down, if we are constantly uh, saying things and just getting things off our chest as men without thinking, what are we training our children? What are we teaching our children? If we're not speaking in a way as we spoke of at the first point and making this very practical, if we are not reverencing and respecting this woman that God has blessed our lives with, our wife, our children's mother, in the way that we talk to them, then our children are not going to learn that. As we each look into our own lives and examine our own lives and our own hearts, we need to ask ourselves the questions, am I honoring my mother by continually blessing her with verbal praise? While our world often dismisses the the idea of honor, I believe it's very clear as we open the words of Scripture that God does not. God very much does value this concept of honor. And so whether you are living at home or whether you are now living on your own, whether your mother is still alive or your mother has passed on, God is calling upon all of us to honor our mothers and not just to do that one day a year but to do that every day of our lives as long as we live what about you this morning are you honoring your mother are you honoring your parents and even more important than that are you honoring God because if you are a child and I assume all of us here got here that way <laughs> we have parents whether we know that that who they are or not whether we Uh, have ever met them or know anything about them, we all have parents. And a part of us as Christians is honoring God. Uh, A part of us as Christians to honor God is to honor our parents. What about you this morning? Are you honoring God? You may be looking at your life and saying, well, I'm, I'm a whole lot better than everybody else I see living around me. But are you truly honoring God? If you're not a Christian, if you're not a child of God, I would say to you that you're not really honoring him. But you can begin to do that this morning. You can take those first steps that you need to in order to enter a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ, to come this morning confessing your faith that Jesus is who He claimed to be, the Christ, the Son of God, repenting of your sins, giving your life, your heart, your body, your soul, your mind, everything of who you are, completely and totally to Him, to do His will. And then to be buried with His Son in the waters of baptism, to walk, to rise in newness of life, a life that will honor God. If you have fallen by the wayside or if you're going off on the wrong track, this is a perfect opportunity for you to get back on the right track. And you may need the prayers and the help and the encouragement of your brethren here to do that. However, we can be of help to you this morning. If you know that you need to respond to the invitation of Christ, we would encourage you to do that very thing now as we stand and as we sing.